More and more pieces are falling into place as we explore the updated Street Fighter V, and it seems as though the game's neutral has evolved in a very significant way, surprisingly despite the fact that V-triggers haven't really been altered. We try to answer why that is, plus Catalyst and I discuss the validity of network play as the FGC moves further into the online arena, and we check the mailbag, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Salutations. So, um, we're going to get right into it here, and just ask straight up, has a major shift happened in Street Fighter V right under our noses? Not like off to our cheek or whatever, under our noses. We This is our job, John, and, and maybe you have talked about it, and I kind of shot you down on a podcast before, so, and my nose is kind of large, so whatever. You know, maybe that's why, but th- what we're getting at here is, is Street Fighter V way more neutral-based now than we thought it would be? What is going on? Where's my brain? Where's my nose? <laughs> yeah, it was after Evo Japan that we had our first. I should say that I had my first inclination because clearly you weren't on board. I didn't realize that you were uh, in as much disagreement as it seems that you were about a potential big time neutral change in Street Fighter Five, or or more so the lasting. Or, hold on, of hold on. Maybe, maybe I just disagree with you to cause hype and drama for the podcast. So I'm actually revealing our, all of our secrets right now. But that could be the case, or it could be I hardcore disagreed with you. <laughs> the listeners will decide. I'm, so, yeah, I'm hoping that the uh, the first timeline is the one we're actually on. But regardless, we are where we are right now. Now I remember the morning after the patch had dropped, or I'm not the patch had dropped, but the notes had come out, and it was still at Capcom Cup, and we were having breakfast in the hotel. I guess that would have been Monday morning, and we were for the first time really just sitting down and going through the patch notes and trying to get general reactions. And it was clear that the neutral ungabunga, as in, I'm sorry, I should say the normal ungabunga, meaning like things like Rashid's normals and and Bison's normals, a lot of those moves that had had uh, just, you could just throw them out there and the risk reward was such that it, it, it was way too in your favor and you didn't have to think about it. Those moves were absolutely attended to. There were some significant changes, but when we were looking at the paper, it didn't necessarily seem like there was going to be that big of a shift away from the just do it ungabunga when it comes to V-triggers. And as far as I can tell, that still is the case on paper. But what we've been seeing thus far with Evo Japan, with Topanga, and also I would say in, in um at least in my local matches, I, I really, I, I'm kind of done with online at the moment. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Sure. Why would you be done with online, John? Especially after yesterday, I have I have no oh, the, idea. The story gets why worse from, from <laughs> but uh, just oh, yesterday no. it gets worse. <laughs> but well, like I said, we'll get into that. Uh, but it does yeah. feel as though one rounds are lasting considerably. Well, you know, good 15, 16, 17 seconds longer on average, and we're not seeing V trigger just be the deciding factor. So it seems as though the shift has been toward more neutral play. And you have someone like Sakura winning Evo Japan. Again, that's the very beginning. There's a lot of little variables there. Maybe people were just testing things out and whatnot. But it's one of the biggest evidences we have thus far. And it's something we can't just ignore, especially not at this point. So it's just the 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 picture is coming more and more into view. It's becoming more vivid. And it really looks like Street Fighter V has become significantly more of a neutral, thoughtful 
process game than it ever has been. Yeah, and I want to go back to what you said about you know uh, matches taking longer to play through. And you actually went back and did the data on this. You took the Evo Top 8 from 2019, and then recently we took the Topanga League uh, Championship is what they're calling it. And the average for Evo was, I believe, um, 60 seconds, and then the average for Topanga was 44 seconds of matches lasting, uh, lasting, I should say, and that's 16 seconds longer. So when you're pulling out that number, you're not just pulling out a random number that you think it is. You actually went back and calculated the data on this, and it's up there on the website if people want to check it out for themselves. Matches are... You know, maybe it's a small sample size. You know, maybe it's not enough data to truly go off of, but it matches up with the eye test. It matches up with what we're seeing. We are seeing matches go on for longer in Street Fighter V. Uh, people are looking at the health buffs, and and yeah, obviously that's a very uh, straightforward. Hey, people got more health. You know, rounds are going to last longer, but 16 seconds longer. You know, more health. Like I don't know about that so much, but uh, something that people might be overlooking and, and not seeing how much of a factor it is is the stun buffs that most characters got in this version. And you have also tournament characters like Birdie, Karen, and Rashid that all got stun nerfs to some of their moves, and it, that makes it harder for them to to you know blow you up and whatnot. And those are three of the more popular tournament characters that we saw quite a bit of and and there's so many factors here that are, that are jumping out at me um like uh, people may not remember that season two balrog got that you know the health buff up to 1025 and then actually in season 2.5 they brought it right back down to a thousand and he got no other changes and it wasn't until season three that they got like all the v trigger nurse and other stuff like that but many of the player bases actually at, at when uh, season 2.5 happened were like the health change is a big deal i didn't think it would be a big deal but this has actually changed Changed how much Balrog is kind of dominating matches. Um, he was still really good. He was still doing great all throughout season two, but he wasn't as dominant as he once was, and he lost twenty five health. Twenty five well, health. That's I, to how be big fair, of a deal. I when that happened, there was discussion about it because Balrog was a problem, and mm -hmm. Capcom's fix to the problem was we're going to remove twenty five health, and that felt very minute and it's and I and I 100% stand by the idea that that wasn't enough because that's not where the problem was now it wasn't enough yeah right I agree now it yes. but it was kind of up to us to assess the significance of a 25 health kind of change like what does that actually look like when push comes to shove what is that actually going to change about the character and one of the best ways to think about it is well every single time that a balrog ends up with 25 or less health in their tank and they were the first one to get there before they their, before their opponent, uh, that's a round that they were going to lose now after this change. So how often does that happen? No, well, you can go back and really try to figure that out. But I would guess like maybe maybe one in ten rounds, something along the, those lines, where Balrog is losing a round that he wouldn't have otherwise. So that kind of gives you just a general idea of how significant a twenty-five health buff or or nerf would be, and. That's what's happened for a lot of characters here in the um, the most recent season. A lot got 25 health and some, some just got one or the other. And it, it certainly is a factor, but I would imagine it's probably a factor as far as the vitality goes, the health, maybe one in 10 rounds or maybe one in eight, something along those lines. So it's not nothing. Um, but a big part of this, I'm trying to get back to if V-Triggers haven't been all that affected, why is it that the rounds aren't just continually being decided by V-Trigger? Yes, there's been a change over in the general neutral when you're talking about normals, but as far as I would 
can tell, and, and as far as I would guess, before this season started playing out the way it has, is that V-Triggers are still going to trump over just basic neutral. That's really been the case throughout Street Fighter V's life. And yet we're not seeing that they are. So I'm like, well, how do I how do I reconcile this? Because it still doesn't technically make sense with what's on paper and what we are seeing. And we were discussing this a little bit yesterday, trying to figure out how we wanted to tackle this. And something that, again, those those like 25 movement with stun and health is is not necessarily something that's going to register on everyone's um, you know on the on the front burner for everybody. Uh, we I, I do want to add in actually with the, the health, you know, you get 25 more health and you go, OK, that's like, a, you know, crouching medium punch more you're taking. Right. Well, with damage scaling at the end of rounds, like you, you start to scale, I believe, 50 percent health like uh, the, it, the game does last longer when your health scales down. And and that's something that is so that 25 health could actually end up being more like 60 or something like that, especially if you're doing a long combo, which scales quite a bit more. Um, there, there's quite a bit more like that that kind of factors in with that. Sure, so. sure, sure. And I would say it's even less uh, prominent in people's minds when it comes to stun. It's like, what do you do with that? What do you? How do you calculate what a, what significance a 25 increase or decrease in stun is going to do for someone? And one of the things that I I think is maybe one of the major contributors to what we're seeing in regards to how long rounds are lasting and how V triggers are playing out is that if stun, if you have that much more stun, and like you noted, there are some characters that are doling out less stun. That means that there's more of a chance that um, someone who's being attacked, their stun bar is going to get up to those upper levels without actually being stunned or being filled, right? And so they're going to have more opportunities, in theory, to see that their stun is getting close to being filled. And if that's the case, I know that I've seen in my own gameplay a lot more situations where I and prompted and have the time to think about it long enough and, and execute on it, use V-reversal. And if you're using V-reversal, that's directly taking away from your ability to use V-trigger. And that might be one of those kind of stones you have to unturn one or two of to get to, but I think that's contributing to why we're seeing rounds lasting longer, and I think that's really good because even before this season rolled out, one of the things I was, we've, well, first of all, we've all been hoping that the game turns into more of a defensive game because it's just offensive been king for way too long here in Street Fighter V. But if you buff up V reversals, or if you give more of a reason to use V reversals, that's going to directly take away from V triggers. And I think V triggers have been a little bit too big, a little bit too much of the, of the rounds in, uh, in these first four years. So... Yeah. I look at this as like the classic phrase of death by a thousand cuts, but I actually look at that Street Fighter Five lasting longer like death or life by a thousand changes, you know, kind of thing. Like we're, we're living longer because of not just the health buff, not just the stun stuff, but we're also seeing characters who play neutral. They're better now. Or, or if they were good previously, they're, they're still solid. So characters like Karen, Guile, Chun-Li is now very good. Poison definitely got better. Zeku, mixed results on him. Colleen's good. Sakura is better. Minot is around the same thing, but we're still seeing her in tournaments in place pretty darn well. 
Those are all characters who force you to play neutral. You cannot just run them over and do whatever you want to in most of the matchups that they play. You have to go the route of neutral. And we've seen, as you've talked about before, the Ungabunga, the characters like Rashid, Bison, Urian, they specifically got nerfs to the moves that they were spamming over and over again. Um, Bison's devil dick, as we call it, the Psycho Axe, something you see from every Bison player out there all the time. It has five more frames of recovery and a bigger hurt box so that you can whiff punish it even easier than you could before it is those kind of changes like you you, you go yeah it's a change it's it's good it, it, it's it's fine but it all starts to add up and all of a sudden you're just kind of naturally playing more neutral because of that the unga bunga is quite a bit worse and, and it doesn't seem like it's quite a bit worse on paper I, again i even argued like yeah i'm not seeing it that big but now that i'm playing the game even more and now that i'm seeing more tournament matches and i'm specifically looking for this i'm going holy crap john was right like the game feels much more neutral based in it's it's happening like i think it's happening all up and down and there is a certain i would almost say subconscious aspect to this that again i will get into this later when we talk about lag that when your your brain is going to pick up what the most efficient uh, approach is to the atmosphere that you're in, to the game that you're playing. And it's going to pick up on all the little tiny nuances, how fast your character removes, how quickly they respond when you press a button, even stuff that your maybe your conscious mind may or may not pick up on. It's certainly still getting filed into the equation that your subconscious mind is constantly doing and trying to to help you out in as far as it can perceive, right? And so if we look at Street Fighter V over the years, things like the input lag, um, there's a very uh, uh, common thing that we used to get at, this whole juggling pin sort of, of approach to the game where you just have to throw enough juggling pins at your opponent so they're not ready for the one that you actually choose to go in and attack with or, or make your move with. Well, earlier in the game, and I would argue this is more, this is more, much more significant until October of 2018 when they reduced the input lag, and that was only by about what two or three frames or so from the the change, um, just to show that like that still was a significant change. That one of the go-to quote-unquote mix-ups would be to simply get within dash range and then threaten your opponent with either a forward dash or a forward jump because they weren't going to be ready for both at the same time and it was almost like a 50-50 as to whether or not you'd be able to get in and start your offense. Now that's a pretty low resolution situation. It's it's like two options and it's from a place where, you know, when you're in neutral like that, I don't think that you really want that's just this very unrefined and and very basic but it was what worked and it was similar situations like that that would work you wouldn't want to test out the the like the the dangerous waters of playing footsies when a crush counter like a stray crush counter button could hit you from wherever and even if you kind of saw the situation you couldn't react in time because of input lag or just how fast these buttons were and so that would all get calculated in by your subconscious and you'd be playing this game with that somewhere in your mind you're not going to want to take as many um, uh, intricate risks you're going to want to do these more sweeping hail mary approaches where the payoff is big because the risk and reward is skewed in such a way that the risk is usually uh, much less than the reward on these higher end like just a forward jump i'm all in or a forward dash or mm-hmm. a just do it move but now those aspects of the game have been i, I like the thousand cuts because maybe they haven't been heavily reduced but they've been nicked here and sliced there and they've been reduced enough apparently that that subconscious part of our brain opts to no longer necessarily 
necessarily go for maybe as many forward jumps, maybe as many just do it moves. Maybe, maybe you still have the ability to do some of those safer techniques, right? But because you can also now, like, like your subconscious has been convinced that it can play that more intricate neutral game, maybe it just chooses to do that because that's more fun or, or it's just one option or the other and, and both are valid and we're going that other option now and that could be another reason why we're seeing a more thoughtful neutral game played in Street Fighter V on the regular now. Yeah, and just to add to that, um, we have a handful of throws that have less Okazemi on them. Uh, in advanced positioning like Akuma, Karen, Ibuki, they all got their throws very specifically nerfed so that, and again, these are tournament level characters, so those those Ungabunga situations, and I, it's an Oki situation, but it's an Oki from a freaking throw. You know, like, that's not so well earned in many cases. It's like, it can be, but it, so often it's just kind of something you get, right? And it's like, well, you're not going to get that anymore, and those are very high level characters, and we nerf that down and it's like okay so well now you've got to play neutral a little bit more to get that right you got to work a little harder and again we keep going back to it it's a bunch of small changes and when you read over the season five patch notes um i think things heavily end up shifting the risk versus reward in this game and, and that's a big thing to keep in mind because as you mentioned it's subconscious it's conscious there's there's kind of both that play of like, man, this isn't going to kill. Is it even worth going in this hard? Like, I want to wear my opponent down a little bit more before I kind of go for this crazy sequence, right? I, I want to have them a little bit further down, and that gives them more of a chance to make a read, a comeback, to do other things like that. And it's amazing to me how all these little sequences, all these little things that Capcom put together, uh, season five patch notes are nuts. It took me like, I think, a full week to read through them all and digest them. And I don't, it's not the only thing I did, but it's like, it, it, they were intense. So, yeah, it, it's you could piece people out in a few sequences previously, but all this stuff now, it's like, man, people are living longer and there's more interactions. And I just remember a similar transition with Street Fighter 4 where they dialed back the damage on ultras and a few other things, and, and it just made a big difference. Now, I will say that this is all kind of a working um, thesis kind of idea here. I don't, this isn't for sure. This is what I've seen thus far. And these are the tips of the iceberg or like sort of sides of the iceberg that are poking out apparently above the water. It's don't take it to the bank 100%. This is what I've seen thus far. And this is how I've made sense of it. And I should say we, how we've made sense of it thus far. Um, a big part of this equation for me is still going to be what I would consider probably the most ungabunga part of this game that still exists. And that is G's V trigger one sequences. Now I'm not super afraid of this even, even so, because They've been what they've been already in the past, and it was bad, but it wasn't... I, I don't even feel like G... Maybe not even the worst thing that the game has seen. And again, with these other changes that we've talked about, that could still apply to G in the sense that maybe maybe the G players are still inclined toward doing more V reversals and playing more neutral and not just going for, you know, a, a low Russian to activate into whatever. But we haven't really seen much G at the highest levels of play yet. And so I'm still holding out to see that maybe that's such an egregious, you know, robbery aspect and maybe it's the only one really left. And so that becomes the, the be all end all part of street fighter five and it just kind of takes a big old dump on our parade here but i don't uh, think and, it and will you said 
we haven't seen much G at high levels. And I think what you mean is we haven't seen him dominate at the high levels like we've seen with Rashid, right? And I think that's where you're getting because we've seen 801 Strider. You no, know, no, we, no. I mean, this year in, in season five, oh, there was gotcha, no G gotcha. in Topanga. And then there were like Knuckledoo played him in, in um, Evo Japan. But again, mm-hmm. Evo Japan's like a snapshot and like a few weeks after the patch comes out. So I, I take that with a couple of grains of salt. And otherwise, we didn't see a lot of G action, though, which is a good sign in and of itself. But I'm reserved there because I haven't seen enough evidence to write G off yet. But things are looking good. And, and, and even if he is kind of still a problem, one character is a problem uh, given you know what we've seen in the past with this game and the issues that it's had. Like That's still an incredible improvement to be where we are right now, even if G still is a problem like that. And I and I have my suspicions that he won't really be. So all in all, like this is looking pretty darn good right now. And I am excited to see these next CPT events play out. Now, I, I suppose we should <laughs> should note that a lot of the beginning of the CPT seems to be being pushed back um, because of the, uh, the coronavirus and people not wanting to, you know, congregate, understandably. So it might be a little while. I guess we are still seeing things like NorCal play out, even though it won't be CPT events. We'll see who actually shows up and, and when the pros are able to travel. It's just an unfortunate situation that we might be delayed in getting our, our big examples here. But I am optimistic. Yeah. It's uh, and I want to be very clear with this that it's still Street Fighter Five at the end of the day. I'm not saying this game is this gigantic neutral fest. You know, it's Street Fighter Three again, or you know, um, st- uh, whatever game you want to put in there that's you know heavily footsie based, right? Um, it's this is just that there's much more neutral going on now than I have been used to in Street Fighter Five with most of the characters. I was used to it a lot with Manat and a few other characters that I played against on the regular, but now I'm seeing it even with a character like Bison. I'm like, Bison's not just able to do whatever he wants to anymore. Nars Rashid. It's like I, I am seeing a very collective shift in the game. It's still Street Fighter Five. It's still like, yeah, get in someone's face and blow them up and do a bunch of wild things. This is not Street Fighter Four. Uh, it is it had not shifted that much. It's just more of of the neutral and the footsies that most fighting game players like who play Street Fighter kind of crave. Like it, it, it there it is. So, um, yeah, it, it's funny that we sometimes want big sweeping changes to these games, but several small tweaks can result in a big collective change for the entire ecosystem of this game. And I think that's what's happened here with Street Fighter V. There weren't. It's it's why I was so you know not sure about like the big changes that you were talking about. I'm like I don't know. I I don't see them here in the patch list. I'm not seeing them yet. You know type thing. And it's like I was kind of skeptical. And yet all these small changes seem to have added up. And it's like wow, here it is. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe you know we're off base and everything's gonna go to freaking you know Rashid Ungabunga. In like two weeks, you know, kind of thing, and we're we're screwed. But um, it, it's to me this it's not a night and day different change in overall, like with Street Fighter Five, but it is a noticeable and perceptive uh, something you can pick up on, right? It, it's something that that matches up, and it's like, oh wow, like things are lasting longer. Like this is working better. I can see more of the collective thought and less of like the random 50 fifties deciding everything. Right. So now that we've reached this place that we've been hoping to get to for so long, let's transition a lot of our events and our focus into the online mode where we throw all that right out the window and play with right back into the thick of unga bunga where anything goes and lag is king. And because it's it's like uh, I, I mean I'm not saying that's exactly what's happening because the the pro tour is going to be a little kind of sort of delayed here and, and whatnot but 
The Intel World Open is the big discussion topic right now, and, and I've been engaging in Street Fighter Amateur League, which is all online. And I, and and even yesterday, like you were getting at, we played a I played a few sets with um, both Dream King and Catalyst because every once in a while we just try to see if our connections will work, and we're brutally and 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 sadly reminded that they won't. But uh, it's just online is not in my opinion, ready for fighting games yet. And we're really pushing it and really trying to get there. And I just don't know what we're measuring at this point. And so with that, I will go right back to a statement that we had yesterday that when we talked about it after we ran our sets, we all had concluded that we have had online sessions that have been like offline sessions because we found the right person, right connection. And it was like the, the interactions were meaningful. Everything was going on. Those circumstances can exist but it's they're not consistent right when you're searching with a filter when you're at you know only five bar connections and and it's going to be in your region but like with the intel world open it's you can play americans you know like you could play the united states i could get matched up with someone in maine and and also no training room is one of the rules for for this single elimination online Mm -hmm. event and it's very very much not what as far as I can tell, what traditional tournaments measure and look at and investigate player skill versus player skill. When I, if I win, I'm not like, well, that's because I'm, I'm better than them. It's like, cause I kind of got lucky with the chaos that's being randomly thrown at me right now or so vice versa. And it's you, extremely infuriating, but I, I love that you bring up playing, uh, comparing offline tournaments to online. And, and one of the things that uh, we ran into at last year's Capcom cup because uh, I was very used to having setups with sound. And I'm like, is it common these days to not have setups with sound at tournament? Like, I'm I'm used to tournaments that basically always have them. And they're like, yeah. It's like, what? You need sound? And I'm like, yeah. Sound is an important part of my experience. I like having it. And at this year's Capcom Cup, I went two and two. I did okay. Um, I played without sound the entire time because it's just like I, I got used to it. But having a whole, you know, sense kind of dulled of and what you're used to, like that is a common thing that happens in tournaments. And like you, you, you will see Punk and you'll see a number of other players who they don't play with any kind of sound whatsoever. They've gotten used to it. They've adjusted to it. That is a factor. You've completely taken one of your senses off the table. And that is a sense that you use throughout the match in normal circumstances some people play with music on a few other things those to the event helps podcast while playing hey shout outs to them but most people have sound on and you're completely taking that off the table in some offline tournaments and so i look at that and i go yeah latency sucks but so does that yes you know what and so does having monitor lag that happens at some of the tournaments that we run into like and so does being bumped into when you're playing at a very crowded venue and you're trying to go for your combo and all of a sudden some dude rams into you because you have no space to move at uh, and so it was like having to sit like 10 feet away from the monitor when you have like nearsighted and whatnot like myself and it like and don't normally play with glasses on and it messes you up all that or other you kind have the of Tucson stuff, like, FGC just screaming at you behind <laughs> while you're trying to play <laughs> that could be yeah, exciting I, as well yeah are your friends shouting advice to you when you're playing it ahead and you got to tell them like hey guys like I got it like you're throwing me off and stuff like that all these type of things are factors and and they can be smoothed over is what I'm getting at here it's we the FGC has got this real hardcore bias and I'm not saying it's everyone but I am saying it's some people maybe my co-host here on the podcast who I love immensely and is a very awesome person but um there we're so unwilling to accept certain things especially when it comes to online and especially when it comes to the way we've never 
done things before. Yet offline tournaments have plenty of problems as well that we don't really talk about because we've been doing them for 30 years. And they're just totally acceptable because that's how it's always been. Um, and, and where I go back to this is, is one, we need to be more accepting of online tournaments because they are a good way for us to compete and play online. They're not ideal yet and they can sure as hell be made better, but they are a good way to get more people in the door, have more matches, have more variety, have a lot of things going our way. They're just not perfect yet, and we got to be accepting of that. Yes. Part of the reason I wanted to talk to you specifically about this is because you have more of a, how would you say, an affinity for online play um, than, than I tend to do. And I don't want to come in. I, I First of all, yes, I absolutely feel like the crotchety old man. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was kind of walking around my house and, and trying to articulate it out loud, just practicing how I would how I would talk about this. And I was like, man, I am the old man saying back in my day, uphill in the snow sort of stories when it comes to like, I'm not ready for this new thing. I want to have this conversation with you because I I, I do want to hear your side and I want to hear an argument. I want to hear uh, something that where I go, yeah, that that is valid with online. That that is a plus for it, and and I can already appreciate that. It's probably where the future is going to be eventually, and that'll be a good thing. Right now, it feels like we're just going through the motions, and in the meantime, what we're playing online is is just like is just like I say, going through the motions. But it really isn't giving us the kind of information that we're looking for when we watch a a, a fighting game tournament, as far as competition goes. Now, you uh, you mentioned a couple of the other kinds of distractions that can happen or or the kinds of uh, let's say chaos that can come in and and randomly affect how a match plays out and you're not wrong there are little things and uh, you know like people yelling behind you like a random input a problem with the monitor we're not having sound when you're used to it uh yeah for sure for sure but uh, just on a random i'm just curious if you've ever had experience have you ever been in a tournament venue and it was so cold mm-hmm. that are so hot that you were just like fried or like your hands were frozen and well you i tend to have um somewhat poor circulation if i get nervous at all i, I have mm-hmm. cold hands immediately but it's just because my heart's so warm it takes up all the warmth but <laughs> i learned that from alex jabaley by the way shout outs to alex but gotcha. anyways, <laughs> uh, yes, and, and so I'm really susceptible to being cold. I like to bring layers when um, I'm playing in tournament because then you have options there to at least sort of combat that kind of a thing. But uh, so I want to compare this more toward maybe professional sports because that's a fairly similar arena that we have had a lot more experience with. And so I think of like, uh, we'll say like a, well, basketball is good, but let's go football because I think there's even more that can be happening with football. Because not only do you have, you know, the, the crowd and such screaming at you, so that already kind of takes that, that you know, people behind you yelling at you aspect of it and kind of um, it's like a, a consistent thread right there. But also, like, sometimes they would play in the snow. I don't know if I've seen that happen too recently. A lot of these uh, uh, stadiums have domes and whatnot, but like they'll, they'll play in the snow or they'll play in the rain. And that's definitely yeah. a change in what's going on. And then, of course, like there, there are a lot of chaotic factors that can influence that. But one, um, when you're talking about that, like professional sports, or when you're talking about playing in a venue, a lot of those things are happening uh, at a more consistent basis and it's happening to both players when you're talking about online you're talking about in, in not um, um, what is the word uh, uh, not similar <laughs> dissimilar experiences 
it's like incongruent where maybe I one mean, person's experiencing the rollback where the other person isn't or maybe one I mean, person yeah that's one of the main things actually about fighting games is, is shared latency and, and almost all games have them one-sided stuff does happen and i actually was going to talk about that uh, here on the podcast in the future um but the the one-sided latency issues they're like maybe 10 to 5% of the time, I think, with Street Fighter V. They're not much. Most of the time, you're sharing the, the the latency stuff. And those percentages are, you know, pulled out of, you know, wherever type thing. But it's not – what I'm saying is it's not a lot from my experience. And some netcode technician could probably jump in and give, you know, exacts on when it happens and how it happens. But I play online a lot. Most of your experiences are actually shared uh, online in terms of when it comes to latency. Well, how, how could you know what the other person's experiencing, even if you're the one playing? I mean, you'd have to see like a side-by-side, -side, uh, wouldn't you? Exactly. Um, and we see a lot of side-by-side uh, comparisons, even with the new netcodes. Like HiFight actually put one up right. very recently. And you could see, you know, side-by-side -side that both players, even when he was inducing leg, that they're seeing very similar things. It's pretty pretty darn close i i have to watch it again to make sure but my my recollection of it is then when he did the lag switch the side that he was pressing the button on um that would manifest pretty much normally it would be on the other side where the hiccups yes. happened and so to me yes. that's like a, a very different well, experience for both players well, I mean, the game isn't going to, like, make your side leg. That's the whole point of rollbacks, right? The game rolls back to a state where it, it knows what's going on. Your side isn't going to leg. Or, or with, or that would be a delay-based netcode at that point. Because, again, the whole point of a rollback is to make it feel as offline as possible. So it simulates certain parts of the game so that you never see that latency on your side. Even though it's happening, that latency is basically hidden so that you keep offline timing for combos and setups and everything like that. And then that's where, you know, the... the rollback happens where you have the the what is it the hit confirm that was not you know mm -hmm. the schrodinger's uh schrodinger's uh, hit confirm. Confirm. yeah i think that's what it is so yes yes um that's how come it looks that way so okay so let's say it's just a, a very conservative estimate of 10 percent. 10 percent still is a thing and yes. when you're i'm trying to trying to recreate what it would look like you say if you're in a professional football game and you had similar kinds of issues it's like Football is a game of inches, right? And we're talking about maybe maybe inches could be something like frames. Uh, what if you know there was just an alteration where there's a hiccup where four inches of, of you know like where the ball was at in the air suddenly stuttered and changed, and um, or like where the where the the runner was tackled. And, and went down was like just short of the first town line, but it was like four inches. And then he suddenly zips back or zips forward briefly. And everyone could see that and perceive that. And it was happening at the very least at a 10% difference for each team. Or like maybe for a second it was snowing for one team and it wasn't for the other. Things like that. And and I so okay, so imagine that kind of a scenario where the ball's going through the air and it suddenly could jump I... for a little bit. Things like we that. We don't even really have to imagine it, actually. I'm going to bring up something that uh, New England Patriot fans are not going to be happy about, and that would be Deflategate. Uh, and that's where Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time in the NFL, uh, actually um, knowingly or seemingly or whatever deflated footballs. 
uh, so that he would have an advantage like gripping them or throwing them or kind of like whatever and stuff. And they found out it happened. Uh, the, the Patriots got penalized. The NFL is kind of a little bit random and how it gets, you know, and assigns that stuff. But we actually have a real life instance of that kind of happening. Someone basically cheating uh, and they got away with it for a while. I mean, they didn't take away their championships. I don't know. I don't know all the details. I didn't follow it super closely, but it was a very big story um, and it happened and they got away with it. And more recently, the um, the uh, Astros and, and MLB, they were caught uh, stealing uh, signals. Um, and like, I think with a camera, actually, they, they use technology to cheat. Uh, and, and so they knew like what pitches were coming and a few other things and whatnot. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it, it, that's cheating versus like, you know, circumstances that no one is controlling happening, right? Not exactly one-to-one, but what I, my whole point is, is this stuff does happen. Even in pro sports, we have unfair things kind of going on. Uh, and there it is. Exactly. And when that happens, even something as seemingly small as will you deflate the balls a little bit, how much is that actually going to change the outcome? Uh, apparently it's pretty significant and it's to the point where people are like, that is super not okay. Uh, that is not valid. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of politics especially when you're talking about the, the Patriots and, and the, the best quarterback of all time, there it's going to be a lot harder to go after that person and that uh, uh, those entities than it is, you know, just off of Joe Schmo or whatever. But we're... Um, the NFL um, is not known for being very... Uh judicious with their punishments i will just say right. um so there's a there's about a million factors in there and and so much controversy um there's just so oh but my here's gosh. a question and, though yeah. say that there is a specific game where you know that tom brady was doing that or that the patriots were doing that with the balls when you look at that game and say they won you don't go, okay, that was an example of the Patriots' skill, and that's the kind of football I want to watch. And I don't look at that game and go, like, that should count towards their record books. Now, maybe I, Apparently none of those wins were taken away. But as far as the fans' perception of this goes, they go, that's not legit. That's not what I'm here to watch. The reason why we don't want cheating and chaos is because we want an even playing field outside of the, the, the skill that these players bring with their physical and mental abilities. That's what I want to assess. And when you bring in these other elements of chaos, especially when they're not consistent on both sides, it immediately and severely cheapens that experience. And we're no longer seeing who's better because it's, it's Tom Brady plus deflated balls. It's like, well, now I don't care. I want to see Tom Brady with the same ball and, and this other guy with the same ball and see what happens. Because otherwise, it's worthless. I don't care if he does something amazing while he's cheating or while there was some uh, uh, deviation from the, the rules that we have accepted. And, and so as soon as a ball it, begins it to like you know, glitch I, out four inches or something. I think we take that and we go, well, that game's not legit anymore. Even if it happened one time, even if we pause so, the game one time in a tournament set, it immediately changes everything. So, uh, I mean, that can be your perception. It's not wrong, you know, but, but, uh, one of the, when this first broke, this news happened, I think that the Patriots had just beat the other team, I think in the playoffs, like 24 to nothing. And they're like, look, Tom Brady deflating balls did not change the outcome of that game at all you know, kind of thing. That was nothing. And then, so I go with this and I go that, that chaos elements are in everything. Um, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is like probably the best player in the NBA. He's one of them. He's, they call him the Greek freak because he's like seven foot. He's like the most athletic dude you could find in the NBA. He's insane. He's completely unfair. He's like Rashid on like 50 steroids. And we're and okay like, with that. We're okay with LeBron James being way better naturally at basketball than you and I will ever be. 
and, and and so coupled with that, like so you bring up LeBron James. Well, he got like Anthony Davis on his team, who's another great player, and they got him just because they happen to be the Lakers and they're based in LA. And not because they did a great job with their team or building it or anything like that. They just they just kind of got those players because they're in LA. It's a big city. Uh, it's Hollywood, you know, kind of thing. And my whole point about this is is chaos elements are in everything like you're always going to have some random factors that dictate things from uh the players getting sick because they happen to fly on so so what if i'm in what if you're in a tournament match and i walked up to you and said chaos factor and i grabbed your stick and ran away with it for like 20 seconds and the other person kept playing and beating you and then you lost and i said well chaos factor use and then we all just went forward with like yep you legit lost that match because of chaos and it's there is a certain line where the chaos is acceptable of course of course no, and that's a little bit of a slippery slope argument there. You know, I kind of think you're taking it to a pretty heavy extreme. We're talking about situations where we're unsure of of what, how to handle these type of things. How how is it fair if it, if it legs out in an online match of Street Fighter Five? How do we handle that? Because we've never really properly addressed that before, right? We 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 say it sucks. We say it's terrible. But this is also a way that would open a lot of doors for our community if we can figure out how to legitimize yes. it. And that's a big thing. And I'll mention to people like, you know, the problems that offline tournaments, but also here's something that might hit a little bit more near and dear to people listening to this. The CPT point system, that was very lopsided. The first year they had that going, it was incredibly biased towards the U.S. people. And you could say, OK, well, you know, the U.S. has got the biggest audience, most players, all this other kind of stuff. But over the years, they have done a lot to try to smooth those issues over. And that whole first season of the CPT, though, you could argue, hey, complete bullcrap like Europe had no chance uh, just so biased towards the US and it's like that whole first season of the CPT you could throw it out the window if you wanted to you can play that card but most people hold that up and say the first year of the CPT was just fine you know it wasn't perfect but it, it worked out just uh, in the first year of the uh, Street Fighter 5 CPT I should be careful mm-hmm. and, and specify so- that what it sounds like what we need right now to be able to move forward in this conversation, otherwise we could just bring up, you know, examples of varying degrees of chaos all day and, and, and such. And um, I don't think that's going to be too helpful from this point out is that we would need to have like an established like what would we be OK with? What are we there to see and where does that what line or where is the line where if we cross that line, we're no longer experiencing and seeing and, and solving the, the puzzle that we're trying to solve, seeing the things that we're trying to see, showcasing the skill and the abilities of the players to an extent that we are satisfied with. Because like mm-hmm. no one wants to see Punk uh, uh, or, or Idom beat Punk if Punk is like, you know, a uh, uh, <laughs> using the wrong character or something like that. We can talk about that later. Or or like our, if our someone comes does, and steals Punk's stick away and you're like, well, that's not a legit win. I don't care that I, I, I don't have to. There. I have to jump in and say, are we okay with the Capcom Cup win when the second player side was by multiple accounts, by five or six different players, and we haven't talked about it a lot, mm-hmm. lagging yeah, noticeably. That's an issue, for sure. And, and, and I mean, noticeably lagging. That was an offline tournament. That was our highest form of competition. Yet very few people talk about it, and they say Idom's win was perfectly legitimate, all that kind of stuff. How okay with that? That's an offline tournament. This is our highest levels of competition, and yet that chaos stuff is still happening. And we would want to nip that in the bud. But and so, yes, I, I agree. I, we, if we can control that at all, I'm super down to do more to get this precise and, and just really have it be the two players in this setting of whatever fighting game they're playing, Street Fighter Five in this instance, going at it and using their mental um, and perception, using their abilities to try to win. But when you go online 
And we were talking about this earlier, that whole subconscious thing. It's immediately, once, once lag is introduced to the point where your subconscious picks up on it, and it's not consistent, so it's not something that you can just say, well, the pattern's slightly different, so now I need to, like, it. at least if there's some input lag and it were consistent, you could eventually begin to get used to pressing buttons at a different timing, and, and you could see a, a sense of consistency there, although that still would bring its own issues when it comes to reactions and things like that. But lag is its own beast because it's not consistent. It's up, it's down, it's there, it's not, and it's not really predictable. And so your brain has to make do with that. And it goes, well, it's unpredictable and it could come up at any time. How do I adjust to that? What you do is you go into a much lower resolution approach to the game. And once again, what's going to go back to if it's lagging, I'm jumping so much more because the chances that it's that the other person's not going to be ready for multiple different reasons, a lot of them pertaining to the fact that lag exists, is it's just going to be heightened. My risk and reward is going to be severely skewed. And when you skew or change the risk and the reward of a game significantly, you're really changing what the game is measuring. You're changing how it's being played. And one match, whoever wins one match, could go on to the very next online match and have a completely different experience and a completely different um, um, level of lag where you go like, well, one thing was was one entity and the other match was a whole other thing and they're not measuring the same thing. What am I doing here? Okay, so I, I want to take a step back here and, and just ask you about something we just were talking about. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that we want to control and fix it in an offline environment for Capcom Cup, where if there's one side that's having latency issues and other stuff like that, we want to go back and we want to fix it. You just said that, right? Yes, as much as we possibly can. Why isn't that our same mentality for online tournaments? It needs to be, is what I'm saying. Uh, well, and yes. and you're going to have like you also have to introduce like or or accept that there's gonna be a, a certain amount of chaos that you're gonna have to be okay with. I don't throw that out because sometimes the crowd's gonna be louder than others, and sometimes the weather's gonna be different, and individuals are gonna have different uh, uh, personal experiences. Maybe someone's feeling sick, things like that. You're never gonna get a one-to-one -one perfect exact no chaos and it's only the the player's ability that's factoring in but when it comes to online i would say the amount of chaos and the type of chaos that comes in makes it so that the things that i'm watching street fighter 4 are no longer present and, and that is an issue right now. There's a number of things that are very clear and apparent, which players have talked about online. It's like, hey, we need to control the locations of online tournaments more. It cannot be, you know, um, Zimbabwe to California, you know, kind of thing. That's not okay. We need to have connections that are much more localized and a few other things. And then we need to have much more quality control. But we have to start somewhere. Yes. We have to start. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I agree. And so I'm not saying we need to throw out online competition, we do need to get it started. And that does seem to be what's going on here. And I'm already on board with that as, as one of the positives. When I said earlier, I was hoping to, to flesh this out with you and maybe get some more positives in there. Um, uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. But yeah. yes, it does need to start. But I think that we also need to be kind of careful about how much weight we put in here. And I think the focus I, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we're that the companies or the developers go, okay, people are okay with this. Now we're just going to make this the standard, and they're not going to focus on making the netcode way better than it is right now because it needs to be way better than it is right now, or else it's not. It's not fighting games. It's yeah. not competitive it, it, fighting games. 
uh, League of Legends, or I should say Riot, Riot Games is working on a new first-person shooter, and they documented up and down how they are working on making that netcode unbelievably better. Uh, and it's just, it's like, okay, well, that's overhyping it a bit, but a lot better, even than the standards they're used to in first-person shooters, which is pretty darn good netcode for a number of games. It, it, in contrast to the fighting game community, let me make that very clear, because uh, I might have some angry first-person shooter, you know, people uh, contact me about that. Uh, but compared to fighting games, first-person shooters are generally um, used to a higher level of quality with their experience. Uh, so I'm not going to go into all technical details of, of how they're going about this, but it definitely needs to be a, a thing. But um, we we do have to start somewhere. We have to kind of prove stuff. It's like uh, w- let me go back to the Capcom Cup example because I think that really resonates very well. We talked about some of the ways to fix that, and that's, hey, you're going to reboot you know, PS4s uh, multiple times. You're going to switch over to PS4 Pros. You're going to use a PC. You're going to use all these kind of things that, that introduce different cost, uh, it, whether it comes from like you know, the time the technicians to set it up and to make sure everything's cohesive and running well. Um, we just talked about the Intel Open uh, running on PC and how that could be a disaster if it's not tested properly, all this kind of stuff. There are a number of ways to prevent this stuff and to make it better, but the FGC... Sometimes we have to drag the, our community kicking and screaming to make progress on stuff. They're they're not willing to kind of come along with it. And this is where I see, this is an issue where I'm seeing more and more with like online tournaments, just people immediately writing them off and saying, no way, no how, this is stupid. And it's like, that's a very bad mentality to have. We need to be cautiously progressive about how we can improve our community. It doesn't mean we throw everything out. You know, everything out we've built, that's not what I'm saying, but it's important that we do try to adapt, grow, and get better, and, and and to do that, we have to embrace some new ideas along the way and some new ways of doing things. And I'm seeing pockets of that, but I'm also seeing a lot of resistance overall, as I've been seeing for decades now in the FGC, of changing things from the way that we've done it previously. Now, I am signed up for all four of the available Intel World Open, which, by the way, everybody, the Intel World Open um, first events have been open for registration, and you can go sign up. I think there's only 512 spots uh, per tournament available, so you want to do that sooner rather than later. But I have signed up for those, even though I've talked some smack about it already, the idea of playing online and it's single elimination. I do want to be here, and I do want to try, and I do want to give it a chance. I've played in countless online tournaments because it's been a big thing since Street Fighter V sort of started. There's There's been a lot of that. And like I said, I've been playing in the Amateur Street Fighter League almost... I want to say virtually every single time I've played in one of these, I've left feeling insanely salty. Like insane like like I need to take a minute. I hope my loved ones aren't nearby because I'm going to lash out at them in anger and frustration. That level of salty and and for me personally it's fairly rare that I get there. So it's it's a it's a series of experiences where I go this is not a good look and I also don't want people coming in and and like their first looks at fighting games being this now i don't necessarily have a better answer than well well then like what don't do online at all because we need to get our foot in the door and and we need to start somewhere like you say and that's very true but then i look at like the intel world open and i go two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and this big like worldwide thing it's like that is fairly grandiose and i don't think that online is where it needs to be for fighting games to have something that big what do you think, though? Um, Is it I, too I, soon for that? Those kind of stakes? It, it's it, it's it's it should have happened ten years ago is what I think. I think this should have happened with Street Fighter 4 and we should have been building a better infrastructure and really developing our online play. With like $250,000 tournaments and things along those lines? 
yeah, you probably could have got a number of uh, PC companies and other stuff to sign up for it before. You actually had a number of uh, companies like MLG try to come into the space and try to set it up. And I mean, it's Capcom's prerogative to shut them down at the time they did. That's fine. Um, but you you should have we should have been doing this stuff much more frequently from now, and we would be a lot further along. I still think that the ultimate you know, competition should be held offline to, again, reduce the chaos factor that we've been talking about as much as we can. It's offline tournaments are definitely better than online right now. There's there's no argument there. My whole argument is we need to make online more viable and good and get it up to a level where we can do qualifiers, where we can kind of, you know, get more people involved, but also um, cut through some of the early pulls matches that no one is going to want to see. You know, like when you're watching, pardon me, but Scrub Boy 15 go up against Scrub Boy 16. Um, you <laughs> you get a little bit, uh, great names there, of course, but you get a little bit like, all right, I don't really want to watch this. I don't really want to see it. And it's hard for TOs to juggle that other kind of stuff. So you start doing more things online. You branch out because there are opportunities there. Other esports have done it and done very well with this. And and ultimately, you try to get stuff offline. That Intel World Open is offline at the end. You know, they, they switch to that. That. Um, uh, but you you figure out ways of using this medium and this approach for you. You get progressive with it. You figure out some some approaches that are going to work for you in particular. I think you probably need to take a step back since you are getting so salty and adjust your mindset with with how you play online. If you're getting that upset about it, like it's it's probably you you, you need to make some adjustments. Like you should not be getting that upset. Uh, it's unhealthy for anyone to get that upset over pretty much anything. Well, right? the, it's um, the competitive side of things. Cause, and, and exactly. I know my logical mind goes, this isn't, I already know this isn't legit. I've seen it a million times and I know in theory, but when you're in the middle of it, man, still when you get KO'd and now you have a million reasons as to why it shouldn't have happened, even more than the usual, well, you heard me push the button, but it didn't come out. It's like, well, now there's some actual legitimate, like it wasn't your fault. That for some reason is much more, at least to yes. me, emotionally driving. And I still can't divorce myself from like the, I want to win this and I want to show myself. And also everybody watches when you're playing online or at least potentially, yes. right? And then you're like, yeah. I just got my ass kicked in front of the world and it wasn't fair. You know, that feeling of injustice is so strong. Shout outs to injustice. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, these are all legitimate things you're saying. I'm not I'm not saying they're not, but it's we do need some adjustments in the fighting game community of, of how we think about online and how we we partake in it, you know, and and adjustments all around, too, in terms of like making it more legit, all this kind of stuff. Like it's, there's a lot of adjustments to make. And again, I, I play online a lot. Like that's my main training grounds. It's what I do. Um, and, and it serves a purpose and in the right context and right situation, it works great. Uh, I need to dial that back to fit. It works. Okay. It works. It, it serves its purpose. Let me say it that way. Uh, it serves its purpose as playing online is probably never great, but it's, it, it works, you know, kind of thing. It gets a job done. Um, and I think that, again, the FGC has been so apprehensive and so irritated at this. And so it's not offline that they haven't become open enough to the idea of pursuing this in a good way. But um, we, we beat this horse yeah, pretty I'll, hard I'll here. I'll just say so I'll grit probably, my teeth yeah. and I'll fake it till we make it. Uh, maybe I won't engage in as many online things for now just because I don't like them. But uh, hopefully there's a new there's the youngins will do it. Right. And and hopefully yeah. sooner rather than later, online netcode and, and connections will increase to the point where this isn't an issue. And we're not having these kind of conversations. Please, God, help that come as soon as possible. Yeah. 
So, uh, well, since we're on the bad news kind of train here, I'll just mention that uh, Cy Games has disbanded their esports team due to a conflict of interest. Uh, they actually had some big time heavy hitters on their team, like Daigo, Pierre Balrog, Infectious, Fudo, Gamer B. I know Snake Eyes at one point in time was on that team. I believe he still was up until they cut him uh, here recently. But um, I think what Cy Games was doing here is their business model was to get a name and a presence in the FGC to get them to take notice of them. And then of course, you know, Grand Blue, Fan uh, Grand Blue Fantasy, I should say, just came out here in the States. Um, and, and they kind of wanted a whole, you know, marketing push and stuff like the, their team started clear back in 2017. So it took them about three years to see this marketing plan through. And I imagine that was kind of their intention all the way along. Uh, the conflict of interest is that most of these players are street fighter players and they have their own fighting game in the market right now. And having those players playing a different game and promoting it and doing all that kind of stuff would, probably be a pretty bad look and i'm sure that some people at uh, uh you know uh, side games some of the higher ups in the suits would be like why is daigo saying street fighter is a great game and playing it and all that kind of stuff so um you can see again why they cut ties and why they got out of it they wanted to make a name and a presence in here um and so i it's it's an interesting kind of scenario I, i'm really curious how how uh grand blue fantasy will do outside of Japan and the Asia regions and kind of what their future plans are going to be for their esports side of the game. Again, I think it's very contingent on how well the game does sales-wise, all that kind of stuff, how many people are going to pick it up and play it. Um, but tournament attendance so far has been pretty good. It's You look at the Evo lineup, you look at CEO, like it, it's right up there. Uh, people are playing it pretty actively right now. I'm going to buy it on Steam here. Uh, in a few weeks, it's going to come out. I'm very thrilled about that. Um, it's, there's a lot of potential here. Uh, it's, you know, Cy Games is a very large company. Uh, it's gotten solid reviews, not amazing reviews, but solid reviews. Um, it's looking interesting for the game, but I, I did want to kind of clarify like what had happened, you know, with the sponsorships going away. Um, hopefully the players knew everything kind of coming into it, you know, uh, I'm sure they, they did, did their homework. Yeah. yeah. They, they probably had an idea. They knew their contracts were going to run out like at X amount of time, all that kind of stuff. Like, so most, you know, if, if they, if they did their homework, they probably knew most everything that was happening. Uh, uh but there it is. I, I just kind of wanted to find some tape, but you also didn't yeah. say the most important part of, of, uh, ground blue, grand blue. Grand blue yeah. <laughs> now you have yeah, me saying, saying it. I was saying yeah. Grand Blue to begin with, and that of course is boob hitboxes. Oh, Tell yeah. the people about boob hitboxes with Narmaya. Uh, it's uh, it's just it's a great story because she has like a, a, a uh, spear uh, and you know she stabs you with it, but for some reason the the hoop, the hitboxes I was gonna say hoop boxes because sure why not <laughs> anyway the hoop boxes on her boobs. Um, uh, they uh they're they're active first of all it's, there's a there's a yeah. hitbox on her weapon and then for some reason there's a hitbox on her boobs and it like <laughs> it just appears there's like no reason for it, it, it it's weird but and they definitely have uh digital jiggle animations um not quite as bad as early chun Li street fighter 5 jiggles but it's like it's it's definitely part of the the game and they for whatever reason the developers put hitboxes on her boobs and i don't know that there's any more uh, to the story than that but i don't think that you need any more to the story yeah, than that you can find the story on our website and look at the the image yourself it's pure fighting game ridiculousness that this is why we play fighting games in some part is to see this ridiculous crap the developers put in there uh it's great um so anyway there, there's a lot of interest here despite the fact that it does not have cross play there's no rollback net code um uh, some of the stuff that we really kind of want uh is, so it's interesting i'm really curious how the fighting game community is going to be about this stuff and as we were just talking about it's funny how the the community can have these like 
progressive pockets of it where it's like rollback netcode is a you know a must have and you know cross play like we need all this kind of stuff and this game does not have some of those core features we really love and yet the community is embracing it so i'm 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 abundantly curious where it's going to go i'm going to play the game and enjoy it for what it is um and that stuff bothers me as well but it's like i, I still want to see you know what's going on with it um but there i've is. seen many games in these last couple of years where i've actually been paying attention to this sort of stuff on the the level that i am currently as an event hubs writer right and i've seen many games come and then there's a lot of hype for them and the grand opening happens in the first month or two and then they just definitely pitter out and uh and head off to the sidelines so far side games uh or i should say grand blue looks uh, really good but it's kind of in step with those and and so really we'll we'll have to see what happens after a few months if things die down there's nothing right now that's to me that's saying that it will but i've just seen it happen many times where the similar levels of hype happen and then it just pitters out uh that said it is different from a lot of um from a lot of more traditional games in that it's like People are calling it more Street Fighter-like, and like obviously it looks more like an anime game. Although some people would debate that it it really isn't. Uh, it's got simple input options in it, but you can also play with more traditional ones. There are a lot of Street Fighter-esque characters, but it's in this different kind of setting. So there's a lot of different things about it that might be any any one of those might be the thing that sets it apart in such a good way that it suddenly flourishes and does extremely well. It's got a lot backing behind it, so. So there is there are certainly reasons to to be optimistic, but I'm gonna wait a few months and then reconvene, see where things are. I wouldn't be surprised if it just goes by the wayside, but I also wouldn't be amazed if it continues to do well and blows up to this you know AAA fighting game and it stays there for a good while. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm just gonna enjoy the game for what it is and uh, definitely watching it closely, but trying to put any of those expectations on it to alter my experience. I just want to enjoy it for what it is, and if it takes off and does well, great. Um, I'm really curious about games with simple inputs uh, kind of taking off. We, we very strongly feel that the Riot fighting game they're working on is going to be heavily simple input based. Um, they dabbled with that here with Ed and Falk in Street Fighter V. I don't know how much that's going to be the future of fighting games or not. They have a very interesting way of putting it into Grand Blue Fantasy. Um, there's a lot here. So I'm I'm. There's a lot to watch with this, but there's also just a great game to enjoy too. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wanted I brought up earlier Punk and the uh, Capcom Cup Finals, and uh, well, actually, rather more that um, Punk was playing Poison, and this is actually more of a reference to the uh, Kimono Michi that happened over the weekend, and I wanted to chat a little bit about that. This is not the biggest story in the world, and it probably won't echo forever. But I did want to get. Uh, your opinion on it, kind of share where I'm at with it right now and um, and put it out there in the people's heads a little bit because Kimono Michi has, uh, I think this is the third one and this has been, it, for those that don't know, it's it's usually, uh, it's put on by, it was like Daigo, right? In side games? Mm -hmm. And it, it's not quite a, a tournament event at like we, we traditionally see. It's more exhibitions, and so it's very clearly there uh, in no small way for yeah, in no small way for uh, for the audience and for the spectators. They you know kind of these dream matches and these dream situations, and it's not just fighting games. There's some really cool uh, other uh, genre content that that went down as well. But 
the uh, the big fighting, well, at least like the big more modern fighting game uh, bout was between Punk and Infectious in a first to ten in Street Fighter V. Now, uh, you guys will probably remember that uh, recent Kimono Michi saw Tokido versus Daigo, and that was very dramatic. People remember that not only because it was a great set, but because Tokido cried afterwards because of the significance of, um, well, I'll just lay it out really quick. Daigo has been known as something of a Batman of the FGC. Give him time to prepare, and he's amazing. He can beat anyone, even a Superman type. And uh, But the Beast had not done as many things and, and made as many, uh, um, I guess, achievements in Street Fighter V as he has in previous games. And he certainly is not like in the discussion for being the absolute best in the world. And especially for those of us that came in during like Street Fighter V, he won the first two Evos for that and, and did plenty more damage otherwise. And of course, he's got you know, Moment 37 in Street Fighter 3, things like that. Uh, so Daigo has been this big deal, but he hadn't really cracked into that um, um, for Street Fighter 5. Kimono Michi, Tokido was pretty much the best player in the world at the time, and Daigo picked him apart and destroyed him and broke him down, made him cry. Like, it was a moment. So that kind of sets the stage for Kimono Michi being something along those lines of an entertaining, uh, sort of dramatic... You almost, I would say, narrative-based event if 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 there is one in the FGC. This year, it's Punk, arguably the best player in the world, versus Infectious, one of the rising stars, a, a red-hot up-and-comer. And Punk goes with Poison. Now, he has been playing Poison in Season 5, but he gets blown up. I believe the end result was 10-3. to 3. The challenger, well, the underdog, very much taking it in a conclusive fashion. And the uh, the excitement, I would argue, isn't quite there. And people are, are kind of gravitating towards the idea that, like, maybe Punk uh, sort of misstepped there and kind of cheapened things. And um, it's, it's ultimately his prerogative. But do you think that Punk kind of screwed up by going with someone that doesn't look to be his strongest choice for something like that, where the expectations as where they were? Punk is a master of so many characters like i can't tell you how many times he's pulled out like a cami in tournament you know and, and you're like cami like why would punk like someone who's so good played like such a dumb character kind of thing but he'll pull out a cami for certain matchups and, and times and it's just like yeah i'm gonna play this character uh when i ran into uh to victor when i played him online he was playing poison as well that was a month ago something like that he's been putting in very legitimate time into the character um I don't look at it as a big thing at all. Like I, I'm actually shocked that people are making that big of a deal about it because like, this is like, he plays a lot of characters at a high level and, and yeah, it's not Karen, but I don't know how much he's going to be playing Karen this season. Like we haven't seen him in other tournaments and people assume that, you know, he'd bust that out, but it's like, he might be putting a lot more time into poison and just going that route. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And to me, I look at this at less as like the character that, that punk played and more of like, how much more hype would this been if that was Tokido on the other end instead of Infectious um, or Daigo himself? And, and that would have been a much more like drawing eyes and type thing. And no offense to Infectious, but he has not made that big of a name for himself in the community yet. As you mentioned, he's up and coming. He is very good. His Zeku is great. The way he plays old Zeku and mixes and matches that with young Zeku, it's beautiful. I love his Zeku more than any other Zeku player out there. I am a big fan of his. He is awesome. But he does not have the brand recognition of these other players. So until you have that, you're going to just dial back the hype about 
you know, however many steps and whatnot. It's just the way it is. Um, but you put that in there against Tokido or Daigo himself, and, and I think that it changes stuff quite a bit. Um, and again, people can cite that, but I mean, if, if Punk wins with Poison, no one's calling that out. Everyone's going to be like, have you seen Punk's Poison? It's amazing. You know, it's just, I think people are calling it out because of the result, uh, and that's fine. But uh, but yeah, it's, yeah to me, it was If you're Daigo, are you a little upset? No, because Daigo is the most carefree, happy-go-lucky dude on the planet. Uh, can I tell this? I think I can tell this story. Uh, the names are being changed for, to protect the potentially um, <laughs> uh, people who told me this. But Daigo may or may not have stayed with a friend of mine named Tim. Or, no, Tam Tam, because he's topping our tears right now that I'm looking at for Samurai Showdown. Uh, stayed with Tam Tam and lost like two or $3,000, just kind of like randomly just and he's like oh it's not a big deal who cares <laughs> it's like what dude if i lost two or three grand i'd be crying for days you know and and daigo is such a happy-go-lucky dude that i have a hard time seeing him be upset about pretty much anything so fair enough yeah. uh do we have a mailbag we wanted to get to oh yes okay so uh aaron the ruby fan he wrote in and i quote uh, thanks to your site and your podcast, I am now a B-rank Ultra Street Fighter 4 player. I've been playing this game for two years now, and I've spent so much time in training mode. I've played against people that were less passable uh, with signals online, like, you know, just crappy connections and all that kind of stuff. But I owe the people who work for Event Hubs a huge thank you. I don't think you guys understand the impact that you have on gamers. I can't thank you guys and girls enough for what you've done for me. You have no clue how much you've helped me uh, help this PS3 player out. Um, I'm still playing this game uh, on the three because I can't afford a new Street Fighter. Uh, sorry about that. Hopefully that can, your, your luck will change here in the future. But um, anyway, uh, I really love this game. Thank you so much. Hope to make A-Rank soon. And uh, it was just a very nice little like thing there. And it's it's part of the reminder, like we argue about different things. You know, we talk about online. We talk about a lot of things. But another part of the podcast is actually helping people to level up. Um, and this is a very nice example of someone writing into us and saying, hey, guys, I am leveling up. Like this is helping your website, your podcast and all that kind of stuff. Like uh, we argue about this stuff so that we get better. So that we're talking about it, we're breaking it down, we're trying to find what the the actual reality of things is. And with that's going to come some debate. With that's going to come some of us not agreeing with each other and going off on tangents and other stuff like that. But eventually we're trying to move forward to find the things that are actually happening in our community and then tell people about them and help make everyone better, help get our community better and stronger. And, and it was really cool to see that example today. Uh, and, and I just wanted to shout him out for taking the time to write that very nice email that he, he did not have to write uh, and, and just send it into us. It was just, it was really nice to see. Oh, you've got the feels going. I, I guess I should take <laughs> advantage of it and say that uh, I appreciate every one of you guys that listens to this. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know that I would be listening to it if, it, if it were if it were me. And that it's just it's crazy that people would care enough to uh, to listen to these things. And when you articulate the specifics about what it is that you like, um, that's really nice because it gives us something to kind of focus in on and reminds us that there there are those other. Um, sometimes it's not something that we normally would gravitate toward because you know we're individuals that come from our own corners of fighting games and perceptions. And I can I, I know especially when I first started with this site, I came from a very highly competitive and competitively minded uh, uh, place in in specifically in Street Fighter. And the kind of the scope of what I saw as relevant information and news was very narrow. 
And the, the truth of the matter is, you know, diamond rank players, grandmaster players, and, and brand new rookie players alike are, are part of the audience here. And, and keeping that in mind and, and refreshing that is very, very important. And when you see this kind of a thing, it, 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 it's nice because you know that you can talk about a, a variety of things that I might not, you know, discuss as much, you know, like getting into... I, I, B is actually pretty decent in Street Fighter yeah. 4 from what I remember. I think it only went up yeah. to A, right? So like that's that's that's, that's really good. So congratulations mm-hmm. there, Aaron, by the way. Also, um if if you uh, if you hear this and and would care to continue and we'd love to hear how progress goes and also who you play because uh that's that's exciting to me. But yeah, through and through like I I just I appreciate hearing this kind of a thing and uh and I'd love to hear more of it so any of you that are going through you know whatever your progress is, one of the best things uh, one of the, the the biggest causes for for positive emotion is not getting to whatever goal you've set, but to aim at a goal and then make progress toward the goal. Like that's where it's at. You always hear the cliche: it's not it's not about the the destination; it's about the journey. Uh, it very much is. And so, any any stories that you guys want to share with us, we'd love to hear them and and probably share some of them here on the podcast, so that you know this kind of group, this this family, the people that listen to this, and 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 we as hosts, we can kind of share in that with you. This. Good feels all around. So congratulations to Aaron. Let us know what happens there. Let us know who you play. If it's Rose, I take back everything that I just said. (laughs) Um, And yeah. (laughs) All right, y'all. On that note, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. Hope everyone has a good week.